0: Hello, welcome to the NCUTM podcast. I'm Gwen Zidda from NCUTM Communications and in this episode we're going to catch up with the Core Maths scene. Today I've got with me Core Maths teacher Sam Halls Barker who teaches at Saffron Walden County High School in Essex. Hello Sam. Hello. And I've also got Kat Vansalos from the Advanced Maths Support Programme, the AMSP, <coughs> excuse me, who is a Support and Development Coordinator for Core Maths and is otherwise known as Core Maths Cat. Hello Kat. Hi, lovely to be here. Core Maths has now been a part of the post-16 landscape for almost a decade and entries have grown steadily over the years. We hope that this podcast episode will offer some inspiring and invigorating ideas for those that have been teaching it a while. Reassure those that might be starting to teach it in September. And for those whose schools or colleges still aren't offering it, make them wonder why. But first of all, just in case we have listeners that are still not sure what Core Maths is, Kat, can you start by giving us a quick thumbnail, please?
1: Yeah, so Core Maths is a level 3 qualification and it's been designed for anyone that achieves at least a grade 4 in their GCSE but for whatever reason doesn't choose to do A level maths. So it's a complementary subject that students would do alongside maybe three A levels or a BTEC.
0: Okay, that's helpful to know. And Sam, if you can um give us an idea of what it looks like in your classroom so i don't know if you've got a an example of a topic or a lesson that really set the classroom buzzing
2: well hopefully all the lessons will set the classroom buzzing (laughs) but um, we always start off the year when the students join because they don't really know what core maths is when they first start they just know that it's an as level a level three qualification um, and it's going to involve some sort of maths so we start off with looking personal finance. And um, one of our typical first lessons is about how much it's cost to keep them alive up to that point in time. So how much is money has been spent on them to get them where they are. And this brings in the whole ideas of Fermi estimates, which is a key part of core maths. And it gets them in really... Can I stop
0: depth. you there? Can you can. tell us what a Fermi estimate is? Because uh, it doesn't come into A level at all, does it? So there's probably lots of people that don't know what a Fermi estimate is
2: making a an, an estimate of an amount or a cost based on a limited amount of knowledge. Okay. So it might be you could start off. Sometimes I start off by walking into the room with a cup of coffee and saying, oh, i am haven't got to finish this cup of coffee I wonder how much I've wasted on on coffee in my lifetime um, and then I sort of start building out of that well I wonder how much I've spent on coffee <laughs> in my lifetime and I say to them how much do you think we spend in a week in a month in a year so how much do you think all the teachers might spend in a week a month in a year so you can start building up these really big pictures of how much spending goes on based on a very small bit of information or a small idea
0: okay Can't do you want I to come in if, there
1: I think it's really interesting as well, because like you said, these kinds of problems are not really done in any other course. But yet students will have to face them sometimes, you know, if they go for university interviews. We've heard that apparently this year, the University of Oxford has been asking how many trees do you think there are in Canada? And also, if you do um, go into things like marketing, they're quite common sort of um, questions that might come up in, in interviews as well.
0: And it, uh, you can imagine that, you know, in your in your key stage three class, you might have asked them how much it What do you think the volume of my cup of coffee is? But that bigger picture thing is is very much not on the curriculum, is it? Sorry, I interrupted you about personal finance, Sam. Um, so
2: that's just how we start is getting them thinking about different costs and we move in to think. The, this, we're trying to build up the students' pictures of how maths works in the real world. And what we realise quite quickly is that they have very limited knowledge of real world costs. So how much water bills are, how much an electricity bill is, how much gas bills are. Actually, I'll probably have to change a lot of my resources mm. given the recent hikes and all those prices. But how much it is to do a weekly shop. It's these kind of things they don't have that much knowledge about. A tank of petrol. Yeah. So it's building up their knowledge of these small pieces of information. And with Fermi estimates, we always like also like them to know how many people you can get in a bus, how big's a car, um, how wide's a road, how many yeah. houses in a street, a typical street. What is a typical street? So we're sort of building up all of this as they start. And a good topic to start from is getting them interested in their own lives and where they've come from, because that's something they can relate to.
0: Yeah. So. And I wonder how many of your students also have spent their time in their GCSE lessons sitting there thinking, when am I ever going to use this? What's the point in this? Um, does does this first topic sometimes start to answer some of those questions for them?
2: This first topic, they some of them can find quite confronting because there isn't an answer. So they'll say to me, What is the answer? And I'll say, There isn't an answer. There's a range of answers that you might fall within, but I'm not going to come down to a definite answer. There's a great one we do in the first weeks of uh, term, which is how many duck ponds in Essex? <laughs> Some of them love it because they get to really think about Essex and the different you know, number of towns, number of villages, et cetera, et cetera. Some of them hate it because there isn't an answer. Mm-hmm. They always want that definitive answer. So it can take them a little while to get into core mass as as it can with some teachers some teachers find it difficult to engage with the whole core mass process because it's very different to the mass that they've taught before yeah but of course after we've done the personal finance bit we then move into setting up a business and we've chosen a driving school because again it's something that they can all in- relate to because they're all starting to drive at that yeah. age so setting up a business and looking at all the different parts of that and looking at all the different costs involved. It's just it's making those connections that they can then take forward and apply to the rest the rest of their lives. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I think that's
1: really important what you said there about, you know, them saying when we'll ever use this. And I think because Core Maths was designed to be authentic contextualized problem solving and it's been designed that the context comes first, you don't really encounter that question because it's the flipped way of what you know, we, we often teach in GCSE where we teach the skill and then we, we come up with some often contrived way of applying it to the real world. And yeah, so students can, you know, I find as well that the, the the core maths approach, if you start to bring it in lower down the school, it can help engage some students that are thinking this is not relevant for me, I don't need maths in my life.
0: Mm, thank you, Kat. Kat, can you um tell us, where we're at with core maths now how big it's got how many entries that sort of thing
1: so it is growing um but there is potential for much more growth i mean if you think about the number of students that don't continue with maths um we have a significantly more students than that do this than other countries other economically similar countries um so uh, we're ju- we're over we're up to now just over 12,000 students um taking it um but obviously this could be you know 200,000 <laughs> um if every if everyone who who could do it did it chose to do it right. um, and we we've got about 30% of schools um and colleges that offer a level maths offering core maths so okay. there's a lot of potential for growth there as
0: well right right and that figure of 12,000 uh, i was looking at the a level figures um i think a level is about 90,000 now isn't it so so you know in, in whatever it is, nine years that it's been being taught. That's that's quite impressive, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, if you compare it to lots of other, you know, very well-known subjects, it is it is get attracting more students. So things like French, Spanish, PE, those kinds of uh, subjects as well. You know, it is it, it does get more entries than those too. Right.
0: Right. That's interesting. Um, and where does it sit with universities?
1: So universities um are, often in support of core maths Um, some have come out and said on their um, website that if you get a particular grade in core maths they will give you a lower offer for certain courses and some do this but don't explicitly say it on the website and so it is you know it is growing and awareness is growing but it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation you know the more students that do it the more the universities will take note And the other way around.
0: It holds a sort of funny place, doesn't it, in not being an A level and then not really being other AS levels now. Um, So, how does it fit into most schools and colleges' offer?
1: So, yeah, again, that really varies. It certainly varies as well the time that's given to it. So, it was originally designed to be a two year course, and that was so that students wouldn't have a break in studying maths. And, you know, if they took it, they would continue all the time and be a bit more confident. But We we generally find that about 50% of schools um offer it in one year, and then some in two years, just depending on the kind of students that you've got, um and then it's it's got the same guided learning hours as as an as which is 180 guided learning hours, but again we see quite a lot of variation. So some schools are trying to do it with quite limited time in one year, um and the exams are fairly early on, so that's obviously restricts the kind of problem solving activities that you can do um. but some have you know more time over two years so the students can really mature and and become really kind of questioning individuals and but it depends some places have it as as a part of an sort of option block that students do maybe three a levels or a b tech and then they have to choose something extra and and core maths is an option on that extra list but i don't know how it works in your school sam
2: we currently offer it, offer it as an extra so the students start with doing four A levels and core maths and then at the end of year 12, then they pare down their options and continue with three A levels and core maths. So we offer four hours a fortnight and do it over the two years. I would really like us to look going forwards at doing it at one year in year 13 for students who realise that their career choices or their their future options going to need more maths because we're seeing that more and more and students that say i wish i'd done it i wish i'd started it in year 12 because i started this and now i've realized that i am going on to do biology and i need to understand a lot more about about my mathematics my maths and my development there so that's my personal wish but i like teaching it over two years you definitely do see that growth and i This week, I've actually had two students come to me who have said I wasn't sure about core maths at the start of the year. But now that we're getting to this point where we're just coming up to the mock and I can see everything coming together, I'm enjoying it so much more. And I'm starting to see a bigger picture and how it's helping me in my other subjects. So students are seeing the value of it, definitely.
1: We've heard that quite a bit recently because so with the Advanced Math Support Programme, we've been collaborating with the Royal Geographical Society, the Association for Science Educators and the Association for Teaching Psychology um, and looking at the maths that's in those A-levels and how core maths can support them. And I've been really surprised by the level of maths in those other subjects and they're already really packed. The curriculum is packed anyway. So for those subject teachers, it's a real challenge to to deliver the maths in a way that the students really understand it deeply. So we've been, you know, encouraging them to collaborate more with the core maths teacher within their school to really, you know, ha- make sure that core maths is helping their subject as much as possible.
2: I think awesome. what we're also seeing as well. Uh, when the pre-release is coming out, it's those connections to the other subjects. Because if you look at the topics that are coming up on the pre-release, especially for my exam board, which is OCRA, we've got information on there about leaves as thermometers, so links to biology, maybe geology. I'm not so good on my knowledge of other subjects. We've got um, world land speed records, so links to physics. We've got... uh, central crop irrigation. So again, the links to geography, geology. So it's really the students that are studying those subjects are starting to see how their knowledge of these other subjects, when it comes to analysing the pre-release, they can bring all of this knowledge together and start putting it into a sort of a cohesive block to help them when they're going into their exams. So that's been very interesting for me. Should Go I on, just explain Ka- a little bit about what, how the pre-release works? I was crop? just
0: about to ask that. Yeah, let's talk about the pre-release. And so when did you get it, Sam? And, and then what do you have to do with it before the exam?
2: Our pre-release came out mid-March. Um, and as soon as it was released, for me personally, it's then a massive learning journey because I need to become as much of an expert as I can on these topics in such a short space of time so that I can then pass this on to the students. So once ours came ours came out, I was then on YouTube watching lots of videos about central pivot irrigation <laughs> and, and speed records, as I've mentioned, and Googling about leads of thermometers. Once the pre-release comes out, I then go through the specification and try to see where any of those elements can connect to the pre-release and come up with ideas about questions and how the students might be examined on those points. And we're very lucky in that we have specification meetings where we can get together with other teachers, which are arranged by uh, by Kat and her team. So we can discuss what we think might come up and share ideas and share resources. Because so the core maths world okay. is very supportive
0: in that respect. So, so this is data that the exam boards issue yeah. to schools and colleges that the so, students then have to become familiar with. Sorry, yeah. Kat, go on
1: yeah so just to kind of understand really the the ethos behind it and um, so the pre-release is, is is sort of a bit like if you were studying a play in english or something you're you're allowed to become familiar with that play and then you might go and answer questions on it in the exam same thing works with the pre-release you get this information that you will also get a copy of in the exam a clean copy Um And it's an opportunity for you to become familiar with those contexts and it's really so that students aren't disadvantaged if they don't really know anything about that context and they're not reading a question going what is a you know leaf as a thermometer kind of having to get their head around that idea in the exam environment so different exam boards release them at slightly different times and but it's all around you know that same kind of time march time apart from ocrb which has a sort of large data set that they use throughout the entire course um so yeah so that it's really just to kind of become familiar with it and they're all they're all a little bit different and like sam says we we run um online network meetings to support teachers through the process and loads of resources are shared it's not something to be feared really and and you know think that you have to predict exactly what the question is in the exam that's not not your
0: job right okay okay it's about becoming familiar with the data and the the topics Okay, so uh, we've just touched a little bit on network meetings um, and professional development available through AMSP, um, and some of that is in collaboration with the maths subs as well. Um, do you want to give us a big picture of what all that professional development is, Kat, so that people can get an idea of what the big picture is and also what they might what might be most useful for them? But obviously, this this information is all on your website as well, which I will link from the podcast page with this podcast. So brilliant but go ahead
1: um, yeah it's probably a little bit overwhelming when you when you describe it all but <laughs> how it kind of came about was COVID <laughs> because uh, COVID made us sort of you know sit back and reflect on you know wh- who who's out there and who needs different kinds of support so let's kind of start with a blank slate and provide an opportunity for everyone to have something to access so before you're thinking about offering core maths um, or maybe, you you know, you're just interested in it. Uh, you might want to attend one of our festivals. So we run summer and winter festivals online. And these are really just to kind of really inspire you about maths in context. Um, so we have one starting. This is... Um, going to be starting in June 2022 um, and there's lots of interesting online sessions some about the crossover between core maths and other subjects and um, we also have things like the New York Times Learning Network coming and they're going to do a session which about their brilliant resource which is called what's going on in this graph and um, so lots of different things that would be applicable to you whether you were teaching key stage three for already there's lots of takeaways that you can get ah, from that. Okay. Um, the other thing that you should really attend is um, we run these Getting Started with Core Maths webinars where we provide a lot of information about the practical issues, setting it up, choosing a specification, resources, all that kind of thing. Um, And then uh, once you are teaching it, um, there's loads of support as well. Uh, We have subject knowledge online courses um, through the Advanced Maths Support programme. And we also run a really brilliant new to teaching uh, programme. Uh, So that's through the maths hubs and that is much more sustained and you're able to collaborate with a group of teachers that often are living near you as well. And um, so you can be kind of it's over a slightly longer period and you can really kind of delve into the topics and reflect on um, how it's going in your lessons as well. Um, and then you can join um, a Maths sub work group as well to really explore core maths pedagogy. And that might be something when you've been teaching for a couple of years, you want to like think more deeply or maybe focus on a particular area like supporting other subjects or developing your students as critical thinkers and um, that kind of thing. But yes, there are lots and lots of things. Um, and when we talked about the pre-release as well, and um, that is part of specification networks so one thing that's tricky about core maths is that all the exam boards have slightly different content and um, and so that makes it difficult from our point of view when we're running professional development because we want it to meet everyone's needs so we set up the specification network so that you could meet and collaborate with and share ideas with teachers who are all following the same specification as you so so it was kind of really applicable um, to right. to- where you are
0: so it sounds like the message is that uh there is a huge amount of support out there so there's no need to feel uh like you don't know what you're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you I mean, suddenly it, it, found it, out it on your time <laughs> for september <laughs> no absolutely and it can be overwhelming
1: so i often say to people you know what there's this really supportive community of teachers and um, particularly on twitter and um, and if you say oh you know next week i've got to teach this anyone got any ideas you will have lots of ideas within the day and you don't need to think that you have to trawl through all this um stuff and remember everything and we really want everyone to feel kind of supported and helped and when we have our face-to-face conference in in Birmingham and that's on the 18th of June and all of you know we have lots and lots of teachers signed up for that already and um everyone's really keen to share their love of core maths and their resources (laughs) and stuff so everyone's very welcome to come to that
0: Sam I believe that when you first started teaching core maths you this is about four years ago isn't it and you were quite thrown in at the deep end um, so how quickly did you manage to find this support do you want to tell us about how you found it on your timetable?
2: I probably didn't find the support as quick as I could do now I think the support has grown in a lot uh, in the last couple of years as Cat was saying especially since Covid it was Covid where I really found my people and really <laughs> found the core maths people so before that, I was, I got given Core Maths as a mat cover, so a maternity cover. Yeah. And I didn't have a clue what it was at all. Not <laughs> true, never heard of it. So I started teaching this course and was very confused about what I was supposed to be teaching because I just didn't understand what Core Maths was about. I didn't understand the application of it. But luckily, my son. Who um, was doing A-level maths at the time, had a lot of friends that was doing core maths. So he was able to give me a bit, a bit of a sort of a, a pottic guide to what they'd been doing. So I then panicked a lot when I saw it on my timetable permanently for the following year with two classes and thought I've really got to get myself understanding what's going on here. There also wasn't much guidance for my network, my specification at the time. OCR didn't have a textbook at the time. So I was looking at resources for other exam boards, trying to relate them to my specification and come up with ideas. I was introduced to integral by somebody in the school at that point, and that was amazing, finding all the resources on there and being able to use them. So I muddled through for the first year or so, and then pretty much decided that if I was going to teach this, I was going to do it properly and I was going to rewrite the scheme of work and I was going to strip it back. And put it together in a new format, which was going to be workable with resources teachers could just go and pick up and use. And it was around that time that COVID hit, and I discovered this whole world online with the core mass festivals, and suddenly was getting resources and amazing information that was at the you know on my computer um, virtually every week. It was just unbelievable. So from there I've built up an awful lot of resources, redone the scheme of work. We've now been teaching that for two and a bit years fully um so we're now at the stage where i want to go back and rejig bits and add new bits in and update the resources and it's just been it has been a, a, a journey but it's been a journey that i've really really enjoyed and core Mass is definitely something that i love now i'm very passionate about and i really right. enjoy teaching
0: and I'm, w- I'm wanting to sort of give another flavor of your classroom really i'm just wondering if you know you you've got all these resources now but do you ever sort of see something in the news or something topical comes up that you just think this has to be in my core math lessons and you can quickly design a lesson around it or maybe even walk into the classroom and say what are we going to do with this today
2: absolutely a prime example of that was as as just about the time that the pre-release was released there was an article in the daily mail about an asteroid half the size of a giraffe (laughs) i don't know if you remember this but it was all over Twitter, and Cormas teachers were all over it. So, obviously, I had to bring that into my lesson. And um, which half of the giraffe are we talking about here? <laughs> so, that then led to these other strange comparisons that you can find online. That, uh, a boulder the size of a small fridge was another one that I found. And I found another one, a large boulder the size of a small boulder, it was also <laughs> blocking a highway somewhere. So, all very, very bizarre. But we, Brought that straight into the lesson. And why are people using these comparisons? Why don't we use measurements? And why aren't we using maths to de- to describe an asteroid? Why aren't we using maths? Mm-hmm. Why are we Why are we defaulting to half the size of the draft? There's so many resources out there that you can use topically. Newspaper headlines, st- analysing statistics, especially those that come out of the mouths of politicians, can be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think Kat mentioned about what's going on in this graph. Did you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. That's a very useful source of information as well. You can just pick them up and use it. But we also do on Twitter. We do Core maths chats and through them, teachers will share resources that they found that can be very topical and you can just pick them up and put them straight, you know, project them up in your classroom and get students talking. And it's nice when it's something from the news or something that's relevant. Because mm. they they they've heard about it, they've seen it. I think that the because because the goal is you want your students to become these
1: questioning, problem solving individuals. It although in some ways core maths feels overwhelming because like Sam said, you know there isn't necessarily an answer. Um, it's also really freeing. You know, so what's going on in this graph is brilliant because what they do is they put a graph on and then they guide you through how students could use it. So uh, first of all, ask them what do they notice very non-threatening question everyone can answer then ask them what do they wonder do they have any questions about it do they want to dig a wee bit deeper and then finally they have to come up with a headline you know that would go with that graph you know so they really need to understand it in order to do that but once you kind of go through that process and become a bit more familiar with you know linking these things that we see in the media with the maths then you can kind of show anything you know you can go in and say you know I saw this in the newspaper or I saw this on twitter what do you think about it? And they will be much more comfortable just delving in without any nec- you know, formal questions that are written necessarily, although those things do exist. And I have to mention um, the brilliant blog, uh, Questions Inspired by a News Story from Mark Dawes, which is a really wonderful blog. And I really recommend that everyone has a look at it regardless of whether you teach
0: core maths or not. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking, you know, if if you find this on your timetable and you're looking at it and I mean maybe you haven't even got a textbook it looks like it could be a lot of work but from what you're saying with the networks that and sharing it sounds like actually you're benefiting from everybody's work and if you just planned one topic in the whole year you could probably share that and benefit from everybody else's
1: and the and the advanced Math support program has a free online platform So if schools register with the Advanced Math Support Programme, they get access to a lot of free resources on Integral. I think Sam mentioned Integral earlier. And so that's the applied A-level, but also all of the core maths resources. So you just apply, tell them which um, course that you're taking. And then on there, you'll find things like sample schemes of work lots and lots of resources for every topic and included in that is um, auto marked assessments as well and um, that students can do so they all get their own individual login and um, and you can track what they're doing on there as well so uh, I think some people you know have come into it thinking you know there isn't much out there but actually there's there's so much now and um, and yes it can be useful to have a textbook as a teacher um, but you don't even necessarily need to go and buy a whole class full of textbooks and um, for everyone to
0: use. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the textbook, Sam. Does it not go out of date the moment it's published I, in terms of looking of it, at contemporary issues and things?
2: Bits do. I had that this year with um, income tax, tax, you know, when we were doing national, um, it, yeah, the income tax module because that's all changed. But I just changed the question to say this was the levels in. 2014 so you can reword your questions. so i didn't have to rebuild the whole topic mm. just because of those one or two changes i will have to update some things as we go through but i think i i also want to to show right. the changes to and to be able to make the comparison so we can say this is what the levels were like in 2018 this is what the levels are like now how has it changed is it better for people is it worse for people? Who's been affected most? So you can, you know, making those comparisons is nice and showing students what's happened within their lifetime as well, how changes have occurred. Um the textbook, we've now got the textbooks that were produced for our exam board, and they, it is amazing to have those resources. It's really useful for having those instant questions when you want the students to be able to practice a couple of key skills. So you've talked about something, you've built on it. I'm doing standard form at the moment. So we've talked about it, we've built on it. I just wanted a couple of questions for them to look at where I don't have to work out the maths myself in advance and make sure the numbers fit. So I can say, here we go, you lot work on this. Oh, you finished. Okay, you log into integral. There's a card match on there that you can do. Love a card match. (laughs) You know, the little flippy squares, match them up. Let's see who can get the lowest number of turns. Turned it into a bit of a competition. Kids absolutely loved it. That was today's lesson.
0: Can I just finally ask you about uh, recruiting students? Which students are you targeting um, in your school and how many have you managed to get?
2: Um, Four. We tend to target. So anybody that gets above a four. Right. Okay. We will let join. uh, We will let join. We would like them to join. We will be running probably three or four classes, I would think, next year. We get a very small percentage of dropouts compared to other subjects. This year, I know that we've lost four. We finished in with 35, started with 39, so we've done.
0: And do you think you're picking up all new students or are you stealing some from A-level, do you think? Because is that is that a concern of the schools?
2: Not in our school. A-level maths is very strong in our school. We have definitely more this year than we have in previous years had students transferring from A-level to core maths at some point during year 12. So that's happened. Yeah, more than it ever has. Right.
0: right. In this
2: school year. Yeah. So
0: and I how do they how do they find that they, with it suddenly being somewhere they can't get a right answer? And...
2: Yeah, a bit of a shock. They do find it a bit of a shock to start off with. But the ones that have taken it up are now looking really, really promising and yeah. will be getting very, very good marks. Right. For their, um, core mass results in the end. So okay. I think they've sort of embraced it. And it's given them more time to concentrate on their other subjects because we're only four hours of fortnight, whereas A-levels are a lot more than that. Right. So
1: it's been nice I think them. I think it's really important, you know, when, when schools are recruiting as well, is that they aren't just targeting a particular group of students that they think is going to get a particular grade in um, GCSE. Because, you know, there's lots of students that are getting eights and nines that just have three other A-levels they'd rather do. And that's why they don't choose maths. Mm. Um, you know and we're not trying to take them away from any subject we're saying you can have this extra thing that will really help your other subjects and really help you in the future and so we we you know we try and encourage schools and colleges to to think about talking to the whole of year 11 or ideally speak to them when they're much younger and we have lots of resources as well that are that you can use um to kind of inform younger students about core maths and how it feels different and mm. um, and feels kind of real um, and might be something that they want to do when they finish your GCSE.
0: Right. Um, Sam, just to just to round us off, have you got another um, example of a topic you've taught that has gone well, or a, or a lesson you've taught that you want to share with us.
2: There's two. There's one lesson I didn't expect them to quite en- engage with quite so much, which was about the Rwandan genocide when we were looking at populations and population changes. There's an interesting graph which shows Um, the change in the Rwandan population due to the, the massive genocide, which I gave them very much in the style of what's going on in this graph. So tell me what could have happened here. And it wasn't something that they were familiar with. They hadn't really heard about the problems. So we started to explore what had happened. And then we started exploring the effects after the economic effects on the country and the cost effects on the country afterwards and how they rebuild and the impacts on health and the infrastructure and looking at all of those implications of having such a, a catastrophic event in a country. And then they started to apply that to other big world events, which and now they can see the links between that and what's going on in the Ukraine. So I think that's been very interesting to see their, them being able to create those kind of connections about topics and understand that the immediate implications of an event might not just be on individuals or a decline in the population in this case, but there are wide, wide reaching public uh, implications that are going to affect many, many different sectors of society and have a huge effect on industry because they are all going out into industry and into jobs and into Mm -hmm. the working world. And we want them to understand that the decisions that are are made are going to have effects on their lives. So that's. That was something that quite touched me the how much they got into that and we extended that topic and looking at those effects for much longer than i thought it was going to last i thought it was going to be a one-off and it ended up being about a month's work in total we also did one recently about trump's tax reforms because they've they all love donald trump don't they mm-hmm. <laughs> they, all, they all have very strong opinions about him still and again they got very engaged in that and started talking about the effects on taxes in, in england so it's lovely seeing them become these sort of more rounded human beings that are really exploring the topics and really getting into them and starting to ask the what ifs and whys and how about if we make a change here and well what is the structure of the population what is the bottom 20 percent when we're looking at income what is the top 20 percent who's in the top one percent how many people in the world is that what happens if we make a very small change at the top how does it affect the people at the bottom so I have enjoyed all that kind of work
0: and it does sound kind of, sorry it does it does sound like um it's it's much, it becomes much more political than your GCSE or your A-level maths which is so much more theoretical sometimes isn't it
2: yeah and I really enjoy that side of it I think that's what can sometimes seem scary for other maths teachers is that there is this element of debate and discussion and it can be a bit not controversial, but you're just you're talking about real life events that are going to impact on them in some ways. But I think that's what we want. I really think that's what we want to do is prepare them for using maths in the real world. And when somebody throws a statistic at them and says, "Well, only five percent of people believe that," like going, "Well, that's rubbish." Yeah. Um, Where have you even pulled that number from? You know, so they can start to think that this is not right. This is not true. I want to I want to understand what's going on. I want to understand why these decisions have been made and I want to use my maths to do that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us on the podcast today and uh, thank you at home for listening. If you've been inspired today, please do hop over to the podcast page on the NCETM website where I'll put links to all the things that have been mentioned in this conversation and to all the AMSP um, professional development and the Maths Hub's professional development. So you can have a look and follow them up, whether you're new to core maths or just looking for new lesson ideas. And if you're looking for support for getting Core cool Maths up and running in your school or college, please do get in touch with Kat or Sam. Um, I will put their Twitter handles on our uh, podcast page. They've both very kindly offered to to field any questions that you might have, and Sam has said she's quite happy to talk more about what Core cool Maths looks like in her classroom. And so please do get in touch with them, and the links will be on our podcast page. And if you enjoyed the podcast, Please do like and subscribe and listen again next time. Until next time, thank you. Goodbye.